I, I actually think the most realistic um, version of AI from a story that's told is in the Matrix. Um, and I'm not like a doomsdayer or anything, but just logically okay. thinking about AI, when, if it starts to self-think, and let's just say it really is designed with you know, human properties and learning from humans, it's going to want to try to self-preserve itself um, to whatever outside threat might come to it. You know, who knows what type of scenario the future might lead to. But I would just think that ultimately the natural course would be maybe not something like the Matrix exactly, but where you have AI surviving, you know, against humans or even trying to eliminate humans in some form or fashion. If it's not through the total eradication of the human race, um, through some form of preservation, whether that be um, economical, political, or something in, in those regards. The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, hey there, welcome to another episode of the Story World Podcast, first episode of season two. I'm so excited. Steve Stram here with my boy, Al. What's up, dude? I am super excited for 2023 and Story World Podcast. It's going to be a great year, Steve. I'm super pumped. Oh man, I'm pumped too. We've been talking about just clarifying our uh, ideas and our messaging and the content even more. And we, we've heard some great things from people who've been missing the podcast and they're ready for it to come back. So uh, I think we're going to come out of the gate with a strong episode. And I'm really, really pumped about it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we're definitely a lot more focused or hopefully we'll come across as a little bit more focused this year. And we have um, some direct goals in mind as far as some themes we want to cover and topics and how we want to bridge gaps between subjects in the world, between fiction and reality and theology. And so I'm I'm really excited for the topics we're going to discuss. Absolutely. So uh, let's just dive right into it. So what we want to talk about today is is AI. And maybe I'll set this up a little bit. You may or may not know it's uh, it's been pretty big in the news these past few weeks. But um, OpenAI, which is arguably the leading uh, uh, company doing AI exploration and research today, which actually I heard the company was, I don't think he's like involved in it, but I heard that actually one of the founders of it was Elon Musk. I could be wrong about that. Um, <laughs> But I did hear that. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me, uh, frankly. And so recently, OpenAI released what is called Chat GPT. It's based on their core framework, which is called GPT-3. And uh, really, it was the first of its kind um, of a sort of uh, chat-like AI uh, mechanism that could respond to requests and keep everything in context. And um, people are using it. It's amazing. It broke the internet. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, one of the most visited sites on the, on the planet and it, it reached a, it sort of broke all the records that you can imagine for traffic from the time that something launched. So, um, it's really kind of crazy and what you can do with it is wild. And I was showing it to Alex the other day and we were just talking about how it, like what we see with AI and fiction and versus the real world. And we think it might be sort of interesting, something that's something to talk about. So, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, if anyone hasn't um, gone over, I forget the exact website, but if you just Google, you know, open chat 
open AI, chat AI. What's it called, Steve? Um, yeah, it's chat GBT, yeah. um, open AI. So yeah. go over there and uh, it's cool. Just play around with it if you haven't. Um, some pretty interesting stuff in there. You can, it, when I say you can literally like do anything with it, you can you do anything with it. It's uh, pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, so tonight's podcast is about AI, kind of specifically how it, it links what we see in fictional stories versus what we're kind of seeing now with AI and looking to the future of what AI could potentially be or most likely would be. And just trying to see, um, you know, what's realistic in movies that we've seen that implement AI, what's not realistic, and just kind of exploring that from a uh, story perspective. Yeah. So one of the the key things that sort of kicked off this topic for us is Dune. Mm -hmm. So Dune is a fantastic movie, fantastic book series. And I'll admit, I mean, I'm no... I'm no like Dune expert. I'm not going to be starting my YouTube channel with Dune plots and spoilers and and backstory and all of that anytime soon. Um, but even the little I know about it, I do know that one of the big things in Dune is the uh, the banishment of what in the Dune universe is called thinking machines, and which is basically maps to what we might think of as um, AI. And we were thinking about that, like. What is it about that that the writer um, decided to to create that uh, to to put that in there to to put it where like there's actually like an outlaw so to speak of of AI? And what I want to do, I did some research on this, and I think maybe a good way to set this up would just be to read a little bit about that about the banishment of AI in the Dune universe, so we can kind of use that as a launching point uh, if that sounds cool. So let me let me read this for you. In the Dune universe, computers are widely used but they're not relied upon as heavily as they are in our own world. This is because the use of computers is restricted by the Butlerian Jihad, a movement that arose in response to the perceived dangers of AI and machine intelligence. The Butlerian Jihad resulted in the prohibition of thinking machines, which are defined as any machine that can perform tasks that would normally require human-level intelligence. As a result, Computers in the Dune universe are limited in their capabilities and are not used for tasks that require complex reasoning or decision-making. Instead of relying on computers, the societies of Dune rely more on human expertise and skill, as well as advanced genetic engineering to achieve their goals. For example, the Mentats, who are genetically engineered to be highly analytical and logical, play a central role in the society of Dune, serving as advisors and decision-makers. Overall, the use of computers in the Dune universe is shaped by the societal and cultural context in which they exist and reflects the caution with which advanced technology is viewed by the people of that world. So it's really fascinating. Um, it's, a, it's, a take, it's a little bit less Skynet, I would say. Uh, it, it, we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's, it's a little less doomsday necessarily, but it does raise some important questions. Now, the awkward mic drop of the whole thing is everything that I just read to you was written by an AI. Um. <laughs> and if if you didn't know that that was even possible, which Alex, you can correct me. I'm not trying to call you out here, but before I showed you this the other week, I'm not sure if you knew that there was a thing on the planet that you could ask a question and it would write that. I, I don't know. if Yeah. You, I mean, you, I had listened to podcasts that stuff were out like that. And I just, I just never bothered to look it up and seeing it, actually seeing it um, was just so much more advanced than what I had heard or what people had explained. Um, Sure. Yeah. Like that whole that whole response came about. Seriously, I didn't even put a question mark at the end of it. 
I literally asked the, the AI, why didn't they use computers in Dune? Without a question mark. That's what I said. And then it gave me that whole answer without any further tweaking. Now, again, we don't need to get into the weeds of this. It's not actually connected to the internet. It's only reading data that it has from uh, uh, 2021 and before. Um, and there are reasons for all of that. But nevertheless, it's amazing. And some of you listening might not even realize that we're actually here to this point. Me and Alex spent some time the other night messing around with it, helping it uh, or uh, in giving it feedback and, and having a conversation with it to help us craft from scratch a fiction story. And so yep. without a doubt, this is going to change the world. It's just a matter of how. Which leads us kind of to our line of thinking for specifically kind of sci-fi movies, of course, you're not going to see AI and fantasy um, stories unless it's kind of a weird crossover or hybrid. Uh, but spe specifically sci-fi stories, yeah, there are sci-fi stories that do have AI. And Steve has a list of them. I'll kind of rip from his list. But you have iRobot, Terminator 2, um, The Matrix. Um, so you do have a lot of movies that touch on AI. But now that we are kind of starting to get into the weeds of it, how long have we had the internet? 35 40 years something something like that give or take 30 to 40 years yeah but how long have we really actually had like good technology like good internet 20 years probably 15 20 years yeah. and now and we're already into what's the next big step for like ai and so a lot of sci-fi movies that you see now granted like star wars was made in the was it late 70s early 80s something like that yeah so when so obviously back then even though there were computers around you know, they didn't really have a sense of AI or, you know, what could be. It was definitely a lot more distance than now. But if you look at modern sci-fi movies, even like your modern Star Wars movies or maybe uh, new Star Trek shows or just a variety of sci-fi stories that come out today um, that take place even a few hundred years in the future, but especially ones that come out, you know, that take place one, two, three thousand years in the future. Um, I just don't think that they very accurately represent ai and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing i actually think that in order to tell a good story you almost have to put that to the side which is kind of my second point but the first point is you kind of when you looking deep into the future i, I actually think the most realistic um version of ai from a story that's told is in the matrix um and i'm not like a doomsdayer or anything but just logically yeah. thinking about ai what if it starts to self-think and let's just say it really is designed with, you know, human properties and learning from humans. It's going to want to try to self-preserve itself um, to whatever outside threat might come to it. You know, who knows what type of scenario the future might lead to. But I would just think that ultimately the natural course would be maybe not something like the matrix exactly, but where you have AI surviving, you know, against humans or even trying to eliminate humans in some form or fashion. If it's not through the total eradication of the human race, um, through some form of preservation, whether that be um, economical, political, or something in, in those regards. And so I think that's kind of why you don't see a lot of, you, you see a lot of movies kind of disregarding what the fruition of AI growing would be. And it's because every single future sci-fi movie would just end up being AI versus humans every single time. Because that's probably right. one of the biggest conflicts in the future. And I, I'm okay with that. Um, but I think that uh, it kind of points to where you need a human element to the story. And that's what's the most important. That's gets to my second point. So we'll touch on that a little bit. But what, do you, what are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think it's great. Uh, kind of a corollary that's coming into my mind is um, I think about, so in the, in the different, in the Star Trek world, because I'm, I'm big in the Star Trek world. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there's a big um, AI, there's a, there's sort of a, um, a, uh, a mosaic. I would say the picture in Star Trek is a, is a mosaic of genetically engineered and modified beings over and against AI beings. They're not one of the same, but they're very tightly related. Mm. Um, some, some of the, like the creators of it and, and things like that without getting all into the weeds of it. And, um, so when I think about like the way that, that fiction portrays, AI, I almost think that they're doing it sort of in, in, in justice. And I'm with you in the thinking of like, if, if it was taken to a logical conclusion every time, it would just end up being humans versus AI. Whereas the place we're at now, it's more like working together. And the reason I brought up Star Trek to yeah. tie that together is because, um, you know, when you look at like Star Trek, um, the next generation, for example, which came out in the in the late '80s and ran through the uh, about the just about the mid '90s, um, you you had a much more mature look at how things were in the Star Trek universe. Whereas when you got into like the early 2000s, when they released Enterprise, that was sort of uh, a prequel almost kind of series, and so it showed it showed where like how some of the things developed when they first came out so for example the universal translator well in most star trek prior to enterprise it was just sort of an assumed thing it's like everybody spoke english all these alien races in the midst of deep space or wherever they all spoke english and and like even prior to the 90s like everyone might have just sort of accepted that as like a like they have to so that we can all watch the show sort of thing but even then, they had an explanation uh, for it. They have their star, their badge on their on their Starfleet outfits um, is a uh, it's called a universal uh, translator. And so, like in the Enterprise series, you saw that being developed, and you saw like literally like the person who was instrumental in developing that came on board with this mission, and she was a linguistic specialist and. And like was able, like she spoke so many languages and, and taught language studies and was a researcher and all of this. And so she was able to like sort of develop based on the similarities and patterns that would be in, in the different cultures. She was able to help actually develop this device that they would start wearing called the Universal Translator. I sort of feel like that's where we are today with, with AI. We're in the very beginning stages of that. And, it, and in this, at this particular juncture ai is actually quite useful right so i've been subscribed for for a while to a software called jasper jasper ai and it is billed as an ai writing assistant now the truth is i don't really use it that often because i like to write a lot of my own but i I like to write most of my own stuff because i'm i'm a writer um but it changes the game for people who are using it as a writing assistant and using it as a tool to write better stuff to shortcut their time researching um, and to help brainstorm ideas instead of just having a blinking cursor. That's mostly what AI writing assistants are used for these days. And chat GPT takes it to the next level, but 
again, there are still so many boundaries on it. You know, there's certain things that it cannot say. There's certain things that it will not say. Um, you know, we, we discovered that actually yeah. pretty quickly because it's, it's, there's, if, if, if something that you say goes against the scientific consensus, it doesn't like that. And, and who determines the scientific consensus? Well, scientists, but humans, right? And so it's interesting that despite how we like to portray things in the movies and, and in TV shows, um, in all of our experience, AI is very, very, very artificial right, in that yeah. regard. It is, yeah. it is very much tied to the limitations that a human could give it because it's ones and zeros. And maybe, oh. and so maybe that's why, maybe I'm overthinking the whole, you know, that's just the natural conclusion of things, AI versus humans at some point in the future. Um, maybe I'm a dummy and AI people know, well, you can just like put this in and it'll, you know, self-learn, continuously learn, whatever, but it'll never go past that point. And maybe that's a thing. I don't know, but I would just, I would think that at some point it would, um, it wouldn't be AI as what we're thinking of it, where it just constantly learns and learns and learns. You know, if, if you limit your AI, it's not what we kind of envision as our typical AI model in our head. Yeah, and that's 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 a fair point. And to be honest, it's hard to know where those lines are drawn, right? Because it's like so much of what we do today relies upon machine learning. I mean, machine learning is huge. The ability, like algorithms, like social media is only possible because of this. Now, it's also yeah. what can lead to it being corrupted. Um, but at a certain point, you just can't, there's not enough scale for human beings to be able to make moderation decisions on platforms like Facebook. So they have to put in, based on the as many factors as they possibly can and the information that they have, they have to put in stuff for the computer to do. Um, and the computer will make decisions that sometimes a human might disagree with upon further review. That's why mm. a lot of times your content moderation decisions are made by the computer, and then they have to be evaluated by a human if you dispute it. Um, <laughs> that in itself is very telling. Even as advanced as we are right now, the robot still doesn't always make the best decision. Now, now let's, be, let's talk about the core, the, the, not the corollary, but the, the other side of that. The other side of that is Tesla. Now, I remember a day. So I was I was in the nerd herd, right? Growing up when I was in high school. We were band no. geeks. No. Yeah, band geeks, computer geeks. We were into computers and video games and, and all of that stuff. That surprises I, me, Steve. That's, that's um, shocking sure detail does. of your life. I'm, I'm sure it does. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I distinctly remember conversations, and this would have been 2007, 2008. All right, I distinctly remember some early conversations with my nerd friends, one of which, I again, I remember so vividly for some reason, him talking about how it would just be impossible for only some cars to be self-driving because unless all cars were on that same network, they couldn't communicate with each other. Well, mm -hmm. Tesla, I mean, here we are 14 years later or whatever, Tesla is now in their full self-driving beta and again it's still in beta if you watch these on youtube you definitely still see people having to very occasionally it's very rare but they very occasionally do have to take over the wheel and make a slight adjustment but for the most part these cars are able to using complex extremely complex technology and cameras and everything are able to make decisions 
And Teslas, for their not only their self-driving, but also because of the safety standards uh, that are put into them, Teslas are considered, I, I think it's I think this is accurate to say, but they are considered the safest car on the road. They they may, I mean, it may, they not, I, that may not be like scientific, pretty, but I think they're pretty are. sure looking at like large sample size, I'm sure that maybe there's an obscure company that only has like a small sample size, but we got large sample size. I think that they own that category by a very large margin. Yeah. I don't even yeah. think it's little. I think it's by a lot. Yep. I think I I think it I think it's very clear that they are some of, if not the very safest cars on, on the road. Again, part of that safety is the fact that the robot will often make <laughs> yeah. a more oh this is crazy, will often make a more reliable decision than the human. Because again, the with all the cameras and the fail safes and all those systems. Now, what did it take to create that? Well, oh my gosh. I mean, gazillions of dollars, many, many years of grueling yeah. hours. I mean, it was a it was it was a, a nightmare process. Just ask Elon to actually create this thing. But it, it arguably does drive better than a human in some circumstances and safer. So what do we do with that? Now I don't know. That's not really like AI and learning, so to speak, but, but it is robots, right? It is robots that are seemingly able to make better decisions in some circumstances than humans. So what do we do with that? You know, now the humans still had to tell it, okay, this is what a bad circumstance looked like. See, that's the difference. The, the, the robot could care less whether the car crashes because the robot doesn't have feelings in that regard, mm -hmm. the, right? The human has to tell the robot mm -hmm. car crash bad. Don't car crash, right? How so? Find a way around it, um, or if it all, you know. So I don't know. It's well, kind of interesting. But it all kind of goes down to, and I'll hold. And I only have two points. I'll kind of. It kind of goes into my second point. Is in the end, as cool as AI's can be. Well, what did we talk about when we were in the OpenAI chat? We were thinking, wow, this is awesome, and we kept going back to how the heck did they program this? Like, what's like the coding behind this? And right. same with um, Tesla. Uh, obviously, it wasn't just Elon working on it. He surrounds himself with Brainiacs, but everyone there at Tesla working sure. on it and everything, and, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years, however long, where they come out with a movie with a biopic about Elon, it's not going to be a biopic about Tesla and the AI car. It's going to be about Elon. And so at least as of right now, it's all about the humans behind these things. And I would argue no matter how smart or powerful or awesome AI gets, we're always going to wonder, wow, I wonder how that person made that and like where that all started. And it goes into yeah. fictional storytelling. We just, you just related it to real life, but fictional storytelling as well, where I think the closest movie that came to sympathizing with the robot was Artificial Intelligence. You ever watched that by Steven Spielberg? No, I never it, did. It, it's a really good movie. And you kind of sympathize with the AI, but the only reason why you do is because the AI in that movie, like basically are humans, like they're made to be human light. And so the main character is, gotcha. a, is a boy who is art. He's a robot, but you sympathize with them in, in movie gets emotional, but it's because you're watching an actual boy act on screen. And, and so, yeah. um, so that's kind of like the only like caveat is, yeah, well, you can sympathize with AI, but yeah, you, what you have to do is you have to program human qualities into it and basically make it as close to human as possible. So anyway, in the end, that's why I think, and that's why I'm okay with like, you know, sci-fi movies or whatever, kind of, you know, going around the AI, um, the AI problem, I guess you can call it, is that 
well, you're not going to have a good enough story if it's just AI every single time, or if it's right now, you're just AI versus humans, but just AI period. And there's no humans in it. Um, you know, you, you right. kind of have to have that human conflict. And so that's kind of, that's kind of my kind of two points yeah. on it. And ultimately it comes down to that is just humans are different and we're always going to be different. Whether you're looking at AI, whether you're looking at animals, you can obviously sympathize for animals. You can sympathize for AI if they're very human-like, but in the end, it always comes down to um, the human behind it, you know, who, who made that movie, um, you know, who is, you know, actually doing like the suffering here and, you know, who is, who are you relatable to the most? And obviously it's another human being. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on, on that topic. Yeah. And so the, the, this is, this really leads well into tying it all together with like sort of the theology, right. And like yep. the real story, right. That's going on. Um, you know, for us as Christians, you know, we, we, we sort of like, I, as a Christian and a technologist, so I grew up in very fundamentalist, like, you know, circles. And especially in those circles, there is a, a sort of bias against technology, right? I mean, in the circles that I grew yeah. up in, it was like, we, we were adopting, like, we were like, some still won't put the lyrics to the songs on the screen and they still want you to be using a, a hymnal, right? And they, <laughs> they still, they actually preach against what like using the Bible on your phone and, and stuff like that. Now, not all, right? Like many of them, even in the circles that we're in, like have adopted all that stuff and it's just fine. Um, but there's sort of this anti-technology bias that has was always lurking in the background yes. that yeah. I, I grew up with. And part of that is the what I call, I've referred to this in, in multiple places as the utopia mm -hmm. problem. Um, and that is that the like the, lots of shows try to and like movies and stuff, they try to capture this idea of utopia in the in the in the future where there's basically this perfect society everything works great everything that can be automated is automated mm. you know it's it's it, it it basically works perfect the irony is is that uh as a christian we actually do have the promise of utopia um it, it, it that's the irony is that atheism and 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 such the like it seems to be there's always shooting for this idea of utopia that doesn't exist and can't ever exist. And so as, as a Christian, um, I'm not, I am not afraid of technology because I believe that God is sovereign over technology just as with anything else. So I actually being a technologist and a, and a Christian having grown up in a context that was not anti-technology, but you know, that, that sort of had that mm -hmm. bias, you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. And, and so I have a very different view, right? I have the view of, well, well, look, God is sovereign over this technology just as he is sovereign over everything else in the world. God gave us a dominion mandate in Genesis 3, be fruitful, multiply, uh, fill the earth. Not only that, but um, take care of the animals, subdue the earth. Like Basically, the earth is yours as my representative to take care of and to steward. And lots of people have written from a scientific perspective on that as um, – you know, being able to extend that to the realm of learning, like in order to take care of the creation, you have to learn more about it and you have to be able to manipulate it. That word subdue, um, it's a very militaristic sort of term. And so being able to actually manipulate animals in the earth and, and not, not psychological, like sadistic manipulation, <laughs> that's not what, that's not what's meant there. Right. Just working with it, right. Working with it, being able to use it. So I don't have any problems with that. And in fact, I'm quite happy to plug an AI writing assistant into my workflow and let it help me in the way that it 
you know, it, that it, that it can. And so I don't really worry about that. Now I'm not going to lie, especially having grown up in those circles. When I look at the stuff that like Elon is working on with like this Neuralink stuff and like implanting stuff into, into, into the brain, that's going to like make the synapses all work. And it's going to be like your, your arm that didn't work now works again. I'm, I'm okay. I'm not even going to lie. I still get a little bit of, 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 of like, of like, pre-tribulation like ptsd mark of the beast like computer <laughs> chip stuff going on in my mind you know Personally. elon's writing 666 on all those chips it's exactly. gotta be on there it's gotta exactly be. but for the life of me alex and and i'm telling you i really do i really do struggle because that is always looming in the mind of yeah. my background but i really see the technology does this mean i'm the devil i don't know but i really see the technology as a fantastic thing yeah. you're telling me you're telling me that we can restore sight or possibly give sight to somebody who never had it just by putting a chip in their brain? Are you are you are you kidding me? Like yeah. that is that is crazy. Should we do that? You know, there's a, yeah. that's the classic Jurassic Jurassic Park <laughs> question, right? Is you you spent all this time thinking about whether you could do it, you never considered whether you should. Should we do that? I don't know. I know exactly what you mean, especially, yeah, growing up in the same similar type of church style where basically any technology is bad technology. I remember just like people saying, like, I don't even have a cell phone, like bragging about it. Bragging like, about it, right? Now, there's yeah, some yeah, people yeah. obviously don't have a cell phone and that's totally fine. But yeah, I'm the same way, whether it's with Neuralink or Tesla or any other capacity in any other way that has to do with, you know, artificial intelligence or science advancement. It's like if it, like if it does, if it's good, then it's good. Yeah. You know, like not good yeah. morally, but like if it does good things, if, if by entering, if by putting something in someone's brain might help them, you know, see again or function better or alleviate anxiety or who knows whatever thing, like that's yeah. ultimately a good thing for humanity. Um, and I, I know, you know, you hear the, especially older generation and also Christian, gen, you know, a lot of, you know, super conservative um, kind of even more so legalistic Christians say, well, you know, it's, uh, you're messing with the body or this or that, you know, that's bad and this and that. And it, it, uh, I just, I like embrace new stuff and changes probably because generationally too, we were kind of in that generation with technology coming in. So that's just natural for us anyway. But, um, seeing all these things are, I actually don't even go at all slightly towards the direction of like panic mode or questioning obviously you have to like make sound decisions when it comes to this stuff you can't just pop something mm -hmm. in someone's brain and hope it works but um you know for all these products like so far they've done a lot of good and i hope they continue to do good and i think that's something to be exciting about yeah you know um one of the things in this bay because we're coming up with time here for uh, yeah. for the topic yeah. but one of the things we may want to discuss in the future about this is um this idea in in biblical studies that when you when you're reading something in the bible it can't mean for us what it couldn't mean for them. Meaning lots of people want to look at the grasshoppers or the locusts or whatever in, in um, Revelation and see like um, and see uh, helicopters and stuff in like the end times. Look, it can't mean that. It, it can't mean that. Why? We're not the audience of the book of Revelation. We're just not. There was an original audience when the book was written who had no idea what a helicopter was. <laughs> no idea. So it, it can't it mean... It didn't need to know, Steve. It can't mean for us what it, what it couldn't mean 
for them. Now, again, there's prophetic imagery and stuff like that and stuff, but, 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 you know, uh, talking about a prophetic image of, of something and relating that to a nation, that is not the same thing because it could always mean a nation for them, just like it can mean a nation for us now, but it can't mean helicopters. Right. And so, um, there is an aspect of that where you have to be really careful when you're, when you're trying to glean insight about how to use technology from a Christian worldview from the Bible, because they didn't have any clue about artificial intelligence. They didn't have any clue about that stuff. So, so it, it's not, it's not so easy. You can't just say, Oh, well, you know, modify the body is the temple. Right. And so you're, 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 are you defacing the body? If you, put something in the brain that restores a connection that <laughs> gives you sight when you didn't have right. it. I would argue the exact opposite is true. You're not defacing the body, you're restoring it. Um, and so there, but the, but there are some who would totally agree with me right now and think I'm a total heretic or whatever, or disagree with me rather. They go, because it's like, Oh, well this is, you know, you support, you know, human augmentation and all this. Well, no, uh, not necessarily. Um, I th I think I'm trying to draw some very clear distinctions around this. And I'm saying that just as, you know, contraceptives and other fantastic medical interventions for things have been developed, this is another one um, that can can work. And here's the thing. If Satan decides to rise up and use those people in, the, in, in an army in the last days or whatever it is, I believe I'm going to be on the right side of that because God is sovereign over me, over technology, over the nations. I've already expressed, um, and, and you know, my belief in in God. And I, you know, I have a relationship with my savior. And so I, I, I think I don't have to really worry about that. Um, I think I can just use and enjoy technology as a gift of God and as a grace of God. And uh, if some people misuse it, then I can't be responsible for their misuse, but I can be responsible for my own uh, use and correct use and all of that. So uh, it's definitely something worth thinking about. Everything is just a tool. You can use a stick to build a house or use a stick to kill someone. I mean, it's it, when it, it, you can, you know, everything's a tool, but, uh, well said, Steve. Well said. It's true. Um, Very good. well, that kind of wraps up our first episode. Now, Steve and I are going to kind of do, we usually do a story of the week, but just cause it's been so long, we're just going to give a quick update on what's been happening in our life and what we're working on. And just to kind of catch everyone up, I'll go ahead and take the reins first. Uh, biggest thing in my life is, uh, we had our second baby and I, so. Uh, we have a girl who's a little over three and a half years old. And then uh, our son came in November, Ezekiel. Um, and it's going to be going through um, Heiser's uh, podcast series soon on uh, Ezekiel. So I am really Yeah, that, that one's going to blow, yeah, I'm gonna really blow your mind. You're, <laughs> man, I'm not going to lie. If, if anything, it'll be very cool. Um, but uh, we chose Ezekiel because it means God strengthens. And that seemed uh, pretty neat to us. And so... Um, Anyway, he uh, so we have the new baby along. Um, everything's going well there. Um, and then, as far as my personal, you know, kind of projects and working on stuff, obviously, not much sleep the first month or so with the baby. But um, now the writing is um, going strong again. Um, you know, consistency is the key. I'm, you know, going to be writing, you know, daily until my book is done. And then, also, um, I guess uh, I guess I'll say here, no, no reason why I'm waiting, but. Um, for Steve and I, new Substack, and Steve can talk about more if he wants, but we're writing, we should be coming up with a letter every week on our Substack, um, give or take. And so starting in June, I kind of want to release like once a quarter, either a short story or a part of a short story, kind of um, have the story go in perpetuity, you know, kind of until I want it to stop. So I'll follow one character or several characters. I need to kind of form the outline more and get it all together. But 
hopefully starting around the June time frame or so will be kind of my first, you know, kind of fictional, you know, work released through the Substack there. Uh, in the meantime, writing on my first actual novel and then thinking about the outline for my uh, second book too, because it's never too early to start planning for that. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I'm at, Steve, with everything. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, you know, for, for me, I've really settled into a good routine these past uh, few months and not much has changed just in the regard of on the regular, I'm running my web design business. I'm doing lots of writing, um, different podcasts and, and blogs and YouTube stuff and all that, being able to stay pretty consistent with that. Although, as you can imagine, over the holidays, it's been a little crazy. Um, my uh, my newer company that I started, Buy Demo Tracks, uh, plug for that, buydemotracks.com. Go there and buy a demo track. Uh, or if you're a songwriter, upload you get a, demo a demo track. You get a demo. You get a demo. You get a demo. Everybody gets a demo. Um, and, um, yeah. So, um, it's, uh, that's really starting to take off a little bit and some, some real good activity, especially these past few weeks happening there. And so really excited to see another business venture that's actually sort of taking off and, and working. So, um, so that's pretty exciting. Had a podcast interview today, um, with, uh, my web design mentor. And so, uh, the last podcast I did with him practically built my coaching and, and mentoring, um, uh, uh arm of my business that I have. And so I'm hoping that this, uh, when it releases in a couple of weeks, it'll be sort of another boost, um, you know, to that and introduce more people in that regard to me so yeah. that I can help them grow a, help, help them grow, help web designers grow a, a subscription web design business that helps uh, keep their family nice and stable and give them the ability to take some time off and play uh, Lego Marvel superheroes too, um, when they, whenever they want to, uh, instead of having to punch a clock. So Excellent. Um, so that's that's the big thing there. And then, yeah, with Story World too. Like, I'm super excited for it. Yes. I think the plan right now, I think what we're 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 doing for the foreseeable future, probably for the next six months or so. Um, this might be a good spot just to like give the general update about Story yeah. World a little bit yeah. here as well. So, our, our sort of our plan, um, you know, it's it's real hard. Podcasts uh, share only via word of mouth, basically, right? Um, podcasts share via word of mouth. Blogs have the opportunity. Op have the ability to um make the rounds pretty well but it usually takes like six months at minimum for a new article to get any traction um and so that's kind of a longer term play so we have our sub stack uh ready to go that we're going to be writing on that at least twice a month i think to start with and then yeah. we probably will start ramping that up pretty soon um but our plan is actually to be more youtube focused and, and youtube first so if you're watching or listening to this on youtube right now great like fantastic you are the target audience you are here and, and i hope you stick around and we got tell other people about it um we're going to keep making content for you we're going to try to be almost a little bit more video first in what we do and and, and audio second but then we're really going to focus on doing some good writing too and and the writing will be more of that you know from my from my perspective it's going to be a little bit more in-depth consideration related to a lot of the topics that we're talking about here. And then Alex's is going to be a lot of that as well. But like you mentioned, he's going to start mixing in um, some of his fiction stuff. And so you can start to get a sense for that um, as well. And, and in fact, maybe this might be a good place as we're talking about this. I want to kind of give you the um, um, sort of the tagline, if you will, of our Substack, And it, at the same time, it's sort of the, it's sort of the, um, tagline really for the whole thing that we're doing and so the way that we put that is that we're story connectors on a search for uh core themes basically that explore the intersection 
of stories across fiction, marketing, and religious philosophy. So, you know, Alex and I are both Christians. We both love uh, thinking about business and marketing and stuff, but we also love thinking about fiction and storytelling and all of that. So this podcast more than ever is going to blend all of those elements and we're going to be doing a lot of content um, tying those themes together. So you're going to hear us talk a lot about fiction to storytelling, how business themes kind of tie into that and how Christianity and other religious themes sort of tie into that as well. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, then hang out. It's going to be a super fun time. Yeah, I, I kind of like how you worded that. It, it's exciting. As Stephen and I have kind of said before, Stephen and I aren't podcasters. We just are, but we enjoy these subjects. And so this is a perfect way for us to come on here and discuss it and hopefully provide good discussion for everyone else to listen to. But first and foremost, um, obviously Steve is a, you know, a, you know, marketer, business entrepreneur, but at you know, heart, he's a writer, you know, he does so much writing in the day and at heart, I'm a writer just in a different aspect. And so hopefully this podcast is a gateway for everyone to enjoy these discussions, but ultimately to get into our sub stack and, you know, read our posts that we have. And then, like, as Steve said, I'll be putting out actual fictional content for people to consume. And uh, that's kind of our focus. You know, Steve and I each have our own businesses and goals that we want to subscribe to. And this is just kind of the, uh, the kind of, you know, gateway into, into all that, into our minds, if you will. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we're excited about that. Join us over there. If you're into writing, if you like reading blogs, if you like, you know, interacting on Substack, definitely join us over there. The plan over the next year or two is to really beef that up. I think and for mm -hmm. that to become a great resource, we plan on introducing some paid options over there in the future that lead to, um, you know, better, even more in-depth content and different sorts of things. So we're, we're excited about that. But right now, everything over there is free. So come join us, come subscribe, and we'll send you new stuff whenever we post it. So And whether you're on your um, podcasting platform or YouTube, subscribe for sure. Uh, like, and if you want Please. to put a comment and definitely share it on your social media or tell a friend about it and just kind of help spread the word on what we're doing. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for jamming with us. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you all in the next one. See ya.